One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. You know, this, this glory thing, the, the, Lord, the Lord says uh, He takes us from glory to glory, right? You know, the early church didn't have a Bible. All they had was the glory. And that... <laughs> You know, that, that when, when, in all my travels, that's the one thing that when I say something like that, that offends the most people because the church has been inundated with calling the Bible the Word of God when the Bible itself actually points to Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, as being called the speaking Word. He is the living Word. He is, he is alive and He speaks, Right? Glory is always connected to what he is speaking today, and it moves you from glory to glory. But we have denominational fractures and thought processes that connect us to trying to focus on what learning what was written instead of learning the one who continues to write on our hearts. Are you with me? And so... You know, we, don't, we can't really explain the seasons of our lives, but we have to be willing to follow Him into the unknown. He takes us from glory to glory to glory. And um, I, was, I was actually going to talk about something else tonight, but um, I think the Lord's on this glory thing. What do you think? Amen. What do you think, Tab? He's on the glory thing? So I pulled up some glory notes, right? So I pulled up some glory notes, and... Um, I just I felt during worship the Lord wanted me to talk about um, a, a couple steps uh, of going from glory to glory. He's had happen in my life recently. Um, you know, for the first uh, let's just say ten years of my uh, spiritual walk of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I sat in a house under a pastor that I loved dearly, still love him today, but the Lord came to me and basically said, hey, it's, it's time to go. I'm moving you to a different place. And it was painful. And so for the last three years, um, we've been going through this walk, right? The Lord, at the same time, the Lord separated me from that house, connected me with Steve and Tabby, connected me with what I would call brothers. There's, there's a guy in Arkansas. There's, 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 there's another guy that I would, you know, New, new friends, new brothers that think of the same mind, that are thirsting for the same thing. More of God, what is next, what's, what's happening, what is the next glory the Lord is going to do, right? And you know, that, that a lot of people think that, well, you, if you don't have a pastor today, there's something wrong with you and you're out of order. But the life of David, he was under a pastor named Saul, and that pastor actually tried to kill him. And David ends up running in the wilderness, not knowing where to go, what to do next, but he had to trust the living voice of God to take him through a season. Am I speaking to anybody yet? <laughs> to take you through a season, right? And so, 
You know, Shelly and I have been uh, walking out these last three years like, okay, Lord, where, what's next? Like, our kids, we need this house, we need a place for our kids, but the Lord has kept us in a place of having to trust and hear Him like David did, okay? And so, you know, the whole glory to glory thing, there is no new glory without Him speaking and taking you through a new door. Every, every new glory has a door that he, He's got to lead you into, right? Amen. A lot of people think that a new glory is a hot service, and you can, have a, you can have a hot service and the glory of God comes, but the, Lord, the, the, yeah, the design of the Lord in terms of showing you new realms of Himself, of His heart, requires you to follow Him, meaning that you're not just connected to the church. Actually, the church is a part of people who come together to worship Him, but you are connected to the one who speaks, and He is the one who walks you through life. And so your source of life is where you get life. And then you come gather together and you bring the glory that is upon you. And I don't know where this is all coming from. I just woke up and I started to hear the Lord today. And so, (laughs) just today, man, it just happened today, okay? And so, I don't know, man, I think the Lord is on this glory thing because um, I'll just tell you just a a few snippets about what's been happening happening to us here in the last uh, three or four months. Um, the Lord started to, four years ago, at the time the Lord connected me to new brothers and started, you know, just these different relationships where I was used to pulling from my pastor, I then had to learn to interact with brothers and, and sisters, right? And so, anyway, so at the same time of that transition, the Lord comes to me in a dream. I think most of you have heard me say this here. There's a few new people here, but the Lord came to me in a dream in 2015, said a man from India will call you, go. Seven days later, I get this phone call. I didn't know anybody, right, from India. And the Lord was pulling me into a new glory, right? At that point, all I was was this prophetic guy that functioned in a church. And the Lord takes me over there to learn to trust his voice. And he puts me in front of hundreds of thousands of people in the last four years. That's not, that's, that's not normal, right? But that's a glory. That has nothing to do with me. That's not even a gifting. That's the Lord positioning me to go do something, to release His glory. And when I got over there, one of the things I had to learn, or actually the Lord taught me very quickly, even though I was prophetic, when I went over there, I thought I was going to teach people the Bible. And what the Lord spoke to me was, I brought you over here to introduce me not to teach them what I wrote years ago. See, a lot of people get twisted up and think your goal is to learn the Bible when your goal is actually to enter into this new realm, this heart of God that actually wants you to thirst for Him, this living voice, right? And I had to learn to trust the Lord. A lot of my missions when I go to India, I go there myself. And I'm in front of thousands of people. I go two or three, four churches a day. And it's all prophetic, man. It's all flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And we see blind eyes being healed, deaf hearing, thousands upon thousands of people baptized in the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen because I'm standing up here regurgitating Scripture. There's a teaching aspect that has to happen in using the Bible to... Put, put the, uh, put the, I guess the channels and to keep people straight. But the Lord Himself is the teacher, right? That's what the Bible says. The, the Bible actually points to this living God, the teacher. But 
I have, why is it that when I go to some churches, when I say the Word of God is living and He speaks, I'm not sure exactly why you think that the Bible is the Word. The Word speaks. I believe the Bible is 100% true. I believe it all. I believe it is the spoken Word of God. But man's interpretation of the Bible without the Spirit kills people. Right? And I'm kind of in a vein here that I don't know exactly where I'm going yet, but here's the deal, guys. Um, At the start of the year, the Lord came to me... um, I had, I, well, about, um, about March of this year, I had this dream. Actually, let me tell you this. I didn't think that the Lord was going to change my mission in India until He came to me in another dream. When He came to me in a dream at the beginning of this year, he, uh, there's this one young guy. He's about 28 years old. He has a young wife. She's 22. Um, they had been calling me, just begging me to come to their city um, and I had a dream about this guy. I had I had been praying to the Lord, where am I supposed to go? I had invitations from Pakistan. How many of you ever heard of Anwar Fazel? Anwar Fazel is the guy in Pakistan. If you Google Anwar Fazel, F-A-Z-A-L, he has hundreds of thousands of people meeting, and there's a there's a revival happening in in Pakistan. In February. I get a phone call from a girl in Seattle. 24 hours later, she's, she's the prophetic voice in America connected to Anwar Fazel. 24 hours later, I'm sitting across a table in a pastor's house in Youngstown, Ohio, having dinner with Anwar Fazel. And he says, when are you coming to my, my nation? And so that forced me to ask the Lord deeper questions in a way that I never, I never would. Because let's just face it. Who doesn't? Well, as an evangelist, there's a part of me, this evangelist guy, I'm thir- there's a dripping part of my, my, my tongue is hanging out. Oh my gosh, I get to be in front of 50,000 or 100,000 people. They're all going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. But it forced me to ask the Lord questions in a way that I never had to ask. And when the Lord came back to me, Instead of showing me Anwar Fazel's face, he shows me the face of this young 28-year-old kid in Vijwada, India. So I call this guy, and he's like, oh, yeah, please come. So I go there in, um, in March. We scheduled, you know, we do, we do some crusades, uh, and we scheduled a uh, pastor's conference. There was only supposed to be 80 to 100 pastors show up. 500 pastors show up. All but about 30 of them are baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. When it's all over, they're all praying in tongues. Okay? So this, guy, this young guy, his name is Joshua, um, he's like thirsting the Holy Spirit. I, I, I send him like five books in the Holy Spirit. He's calling me. Uh, he goes, I'm starting to pray in these meetings and people are crying now. They're weeping. What do I do? And I'm like, oh my God, you get It's like he connected me to someone who would be my son in the Spirit. And this guy, this young 28-year-old kid, after these, all these pastors now see him as the point guy that brought me there, he's being invited all throughout, all throughout Andhra Pradesh, the state of Andhra Pradesh in India. And guess what he's doing? He's getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't even have to be in India because I have a son reproducing what burns in me. At the same time, he, the Lord 
like focused me, no, I don't want you in Pakistan right now. Because, I mean, I call Steve. Hey, Steve, I'm getting these calls. You, you feeling anything? You getting any words for me? I don't know, buddy. I don't know, buddy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? Well, okay, so the Lord answers that. He gets this spiritual son connected to me. And I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm, this is the dots are just being connected with what's going on in my life, okay? Because at the same time, the Lord um, comes to me in a dream um, about the end of March, and he, he, he uh, wakes, wakes me up in the dream in the middle of the night. It's Jesus. And he walks me out of my house and he starts walking me toward the west. And as we start walking toward the west, I start seeing this huge fire in the west. We finally get to, we cross the Arizona state line. We walk into Phoenix and there's this burning church. I mean, this church is literally on fire. And all of a sudden the dream is over. I get up, I mean, the hair of my arms is standing up. I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Are you saying I'm coming here? Are you saying you're moving me? My, my wife is like, she's, how do we do this? Like, we have all these questions, right? And so I start praying, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit leads me to this certain church in Phoenix, Arizona, okay? And so I didn't even tell her because we're talking about California and different things. And I'm like, am I, am I crazy? Is this weird? You know, am I, am I hearing things? Us prophetic guys, you know, you got to be crazy to follow the voice of the Lord into the unknown. Amen. Amen. Is there anybody here crazy? <laughs> and so, and so I end up, um, I had to go to China, um, at the, at the, uh, beginning of May. And so when on my way back, um, I, I had like a 12-hour uh, window between my flight coming back east here from, from L.A. So I zipped down to I call this guy. He's like, yeah, come on down. I call him. I, as soon as I, the, the uh, secretary, the, the, some of the people that were helping, they open the door. I come in. I sit on a couch. I'm waiting for him and his wife. Um, they're both pastors of this church. As I'm sitting on the couch, the Lord says to me, I want you to ask this man to pastor you. And immediately I felt this shift of a like, oh my gosh, this is like not there's a there's a father and a son thing happening. Whereas I was in this season of this wilderness, like David having to, you know, I was on the run, right? I ran wherever he sent me. But there's there's part there's parts in us that thirst for the fathering relationship. And being able to feed and develop, because like when we when we were in the church in Parkersburg, we love to develop and help people. I, 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 it, I, that's what the hardest thing was in the transition is we lost the relationships of of helping everybody around us because we ministered to hundreds of people in the city of Parkersburg. And so anyway. They end up him and his wife, they pray for me. I ask him, I said, will you pastor me? And he's like. Yeah, I'll pastor you. So that might be a phone call every couple of weeks, but it's like, okay, the Lord sent me there to ask this guy a question that I didn't even know the Lord was going to have me ask. And the next thing I know, I'm having phone calls and talking about stuff with this guy. I'm just being obedient, right? Not asking for anything. I'm just being obedient where the Lord is connecting me. And so that has resulted now you know, I spent the last three years kind of wondering all this, this floodgate stuff opening with all these connections in India and being forced by, it's almost like the Lord forced me to focus on India. 
And not, with nothing happening in America um, other than, you know, w- working with you guys and a handful of other churches. And um, now, I mean, like, I'm, I'm getting phone calls from all kind of people. There, there's a pa- pastor over here from Newark that, that called me in the process. I just, I was uh, walking yesterday afternoon. I got a call um, from a guy who pastors a church that's connected with the revival that's happening in southern West Virginia. He says, hey, I heard about you. I saw your stuff on Facebook. I love what you write. I love the way the Lord speaks to you. Um, we, we have to figure out when you're going to come. You know, for three years, we're thirsting for these connections and relationships and what are you going to have us do and all this stuff. And I'm only telling you this. I'm only giving you my life as an example. But the Lord uses the seasons to speak to you in different ways to learn to trust Him in ways that you didn't have to before. And the fallacy is we associate being in the same place with, I guess, the, the end game. Right? It's not, it's not the end game. Right? There, there, there's so many dynamics. And I think the challenge, the thing that I've learned through all this is the challenge to love. Because as a pastor looking at a, at a young person or having a father look at me, why would we ever sever relationships with each other because we doubt what the people under us that we're leading are feeling and hearing the Lord say, or the people over us doubting us, or it's just a weird dynamic. And the challenge as a son to love a father and a father to love a son, maybe this is what Jesus meant when he said, I will pour out the spirit of Elijah and the fathers will love the children, the sons, the sons will love the fathers that love will actually connect people beyond. Imagine your love for each other so great that this guy hears the Lord say, hey, the Lord is going to send me over here to the southern part of the state. I have to be connected over here because that's where the Lord lead leading me. But I love you. And I will always know you. I will always be with you. I'll, you can always count on me. I can always count on you. And who knows how the Lord reconnects us. But what if that's the way the Lord is actually creating this web of connections all around a state or all around a region because people are cohesive in love and they're not separated by doctrinal flaws and limitations and all these things because they're all developed in love to care for each other and hope and pray for each other knowing that no matter where you know, obviously there's deception in these processes. Obviously there's offense and you have to work through those. But at the end of the day, do you love each other? Right? Do you love? Because here's the goal, guys. You're going to go from glory to glory. And it's going to require you to hear Him. Right? Even, and even if you get hurt in a season or hurt in a situation, you don't leave a place or go to a place because you're, you're offended or hurt. You go because you hear as He's leading you. Because if you don't follow a voice as He's leading you, your enemy, he, he roams around like a roaring lion looking to whom He will devour, right? And offense and, and all these other reasons why we would sever relationships ends up breaking these webs that the Lord is trying to build all around regions and states of people that may not have been connected for five years because He sent them purposely 
But then he brings them back together because he's got a plan five years from now. Think about that. I don't know where any of this came from, guys. I had none, none of this. None of this was planned. None of it. All right. So, <laughs> so let me get back to my notes. I did, this is the notes part. But I'm serious about the love thing, guys. You are required to go from glory to glory. The only way you have life is you hear him and he leads you through life. But you are required to love each other. No matter where you go. Right? Through the, and, and love doesn't always feel good. Love isn't always gushy, right, my love? <laughs> Actually, love is proven not when times are good. It's when times are bad. Did you know this? Did you know this? That the root word of love is actually the word pistis, P-I-S-T-S, or P-I-S-T-I-S, Greek word, okay? The word means faith. No, it's okay. I'm thinking. The, the, <laughs> the root word of love is the word faith. The foundation of love, there's a layer behind, you know, when Paul goes into his, his uh, rendition about above all things love, there's a foundational thing called faith that is foundational that holds up love. Okay? The root word of love is the word pistis. It's the same word where faith comes from. Faith and love are connected. So there's two parts. There's an emotional feeling, like caring, but the root aspect of the word faith and love, pistis, is the word, um, it actually means commitment. It's a, I am committed to you. When I married my wife through good and bad, I didn't know what the bad was going to be. Woo! I, right? <laughs> I'm just joking. It's all been good. It's all been awesome. Right? Right, guys? Here's the deal. Commitment. Yeah, come on. Talk to me. <laughs> Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, come on. You got to you got to be real, guys. Right? You're lying to yourself if it's all good. The test is not when it's good. The test is when there's a challenge of your commitment to each other. You know, the definition of church I might not even get to my notes tonight, guys. The definition of church is actually the word ecclesia means called out ones. If you are all called out and you are all hearing him, maybe this is where the air of the church is. They take their Bible and they establish doctrines. And if you don't line up with my doctrines, we separate. But the church, the word ecclesia means you are called out and you actually gather around the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God who speaks and suddenly you have a hundred people together and okay, for this season, these hundred people are doing this because they all heard the Lord together and they're purposed in love in this moment, this time, in this place, doing what the fire spoke. But then a year later, 50 of them, the Lord says, hey, Paul, you take Silas this time and you go over to Macedonia and the other parts in this other region. I'm separating you for a purpose. That's the way we should be separated. We should never be separated because of other stuff, right? Hey, Shell, I'm done, babe. I'm going my own way. I'm done with this. I'm tired of that. No, that's not acceptable. I'm committed to you. I am absolutely committed. I am am called to love you 
especially in the bad time. Right? That's some good preaching there, ain't it, man? <laughs> Is everybody okay? Dang, I'm preaching to myself, man. All right, so maybe, maybe we'll get into my notes here. Um, the invitation to glory. You know, the Lord actually wanted to meet every one of us face to face. The original plan, when Moses, when Israel was brought out of Egypt, they walked into the wilderness. Moses, the Lord invites Moses up the mountain, Genesis chapter 20. Because he's sent down the mountain, I want to meet everybody. The invitation was for the whole nation to see his face. Not only you, Moses, are going to cry out, show me your glory. The whole nation's going to cry out, show me your glory. Can we just say that for a minute? Say, say this, say, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. You see, what if they would have responded the way the Father's heart for them was? Moses, I want to meet the people. I want to meet my sons and daughters. I want to engage them. I want them to see me the way you see me, Moses. But what happens? They all refuse. And so when Moses comes back down, he comes down with words on stone that cannot save them. The words on stone can't save them. Right? The words on stone, Paul actually says in Hebrews 9, he says, if the blood of bulls and goats could have saved you, could have washed your conscience, could have cleansed you, there would have been no need of Christ. So you actually need Christ. You actually need a Savior. Because you won't come meet me up on the top, I'm going to, I'm going to come in the form of a man and I'm going to come down the mountain to you. Right? What, about, what an amazing God who would realize the power of sin and separation is so binding that it actually blinds people from the invitation to come see His face. And He says in the midst of it, I'll send My Son to reveal Me to you where you're at. Because you can't come to Me, I'm going to come to you. So when Jesus comes... When Jesus comes, John the Baptist, John the Baptist says this. I think it's uh, Mark chapter one. John the Baptist says, this is the end of this era. This is the end of the old season, the old realm. This, what, what he was saying is this is the end of you being locked in this realm. This is the end of you being locked at the bottom of the mountain bound to the conditions, the rituals that you actually entered into because you wouldn't go see Him. He actually gave you a written law that is actually supposed to break you so that you would fall on your face and cry out for a Savior. Because you won't come see Me, right? That, that, he gave you words on stone. Words on paper. The Old Testament. Okay? And so, in the midst of all that, John the Baptist, who Jesus called the greatest of all the prophets of old, John announces, he says, this is the end of this era. We are going to be ushered into a new era, a new realm. So Jesus Jesus comes, He actually walks on earth, does the supernatural and demonstrates 
how a son is to be in relationship with his father. John, uh, John 5.19 says this. It says, Jesus didn't do anything unless the father showed him, right? He only did what he saw his father do, meaning that he was connected to heaven. He was continually connected by spirit to hear in the spirit, to see in the spirit, to function. We call it the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm trying to tell you is it's a realm when Jesus hung on the cross and he said it is finished, it's actually the same word. It, it, he actually says this. He, he was saying, I'm declaring the end of the old and the beginning of the new. He, and he was actually, think of it in the terms of a realm. He was saying, no longer are you locked on earth. I am the doorway. I'm opening the door and I'm going to cause you to connect you to heaven. Are you with me? Come on, man. I am not locked on this earth. You know why I go to India? You know why? Because I had a dream. He spoke to me. Come on, baby. Are you kidding me? No longer am I locked in a city called Johnstown, Pennsylvania, where I'm going to go do what my dad did and what my dad before his dad did and locked in the curse of what they were bound in no more. When Jesus said it is finished, he's saying, no longer are you bound in that curse. No longer are you separated. No longer. No longer. <laughs> you see, uh, oh my gosh, the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, word, uh, the word finished is the word teleos. The Greek word teleos, T-E-L-E-O-S. It's where we get the, the word for telescope. So when Jesus said it is finished, he was basically saying it is the telescope. No longer, I am opening the door and, and we will be your telescope. You will actually look into heaven. Did he not tell John, come up here? John, as an example, come up here. I will show you heaven. I will show you great mighty things. And John describes heaven. Oh my gosh. Right? I remember the first time the Lord took me to heaven, I was undone for weeks. I would, I would be okay, and suddenly I would start to weep. I'd fall over. I, I was undone. I was to- totally undone. Okay? But the end of being locked. You see, a lot of you are struggling with what's next in your season. Come on, man. I'm preaching to myself. A lot of you are locked into the realm of the earth thinking that you did something wrong, there's, there, there's, no, there's no next step, you are actually going to be limited in this place. But you you got to think differently. What if the Lord has you locked into a place because He's going to connect you to heaven in a way you've never been connected before because you're going to pour out heaven in the very place that you stand? Or... Right? Or he's going to move you to another place and there's another door going to be open while another one closes. Jesus didn't come. Well, let me put it this way. Jesus came as the son of David. Right? That was the prophecy. You will come as the son of David and the key of authority will rest upon your shoulder. The door, you will open doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. So does Jesus hold all power of your future? Absolutely, right? There is no limitation. It's just you being willing to endure the time, not actually endure it, realize that there is a purpose for you in the very place that you're at in the moment. I grew more in the last three years having to hear Him in a way I never had to hear Him. 
and have to pull on other people in the ways I've never had to pull on other people than I did when I was the prophetic guy inside of a house who everybody in the church, 500 people coming to me constantly for prophecy, for uh, deliverance, for counsel, for whatever. It caused a lot of strife between us. I spent actually more time with dealing with church people and helping people sometimes than I do with my wife. Am I right? It was more of a test. It was a test, okay? But it was, it was a time. But when, when the Lord transitioned me, I had to shift because, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I had to learn that I'd go months without ministry and then I'd go two weeks, like when I go to India where I'll preach 40 times in two weeks, right? And then I come back and I have to readjust and I have to learn to live a little differently. And that was hard because I'm immersed in the Spirit for two weeks, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, seeing supernatural things poured out, and I come back and I stare at the sheep. (laughs) Most of the time looking up with just a little bit of anger. Come on, let's be real. When are you going to open that door? When are you going to cry out for more glory? When are you going to expect for more glory? When are you actually going to trust that I have you where I want you? When are you going to show me your glory? (laughs) Come on. Let's be honest, man. How many of you are like, come on, man? Right? (laughs) Every day, right? All right. Well... Um, telescope guys it is finished you are no longer bound to the realm of the earth you are bound to the realm of heaven which means you have all access all ability meaning that this potter who comes to massage your heart in ways that sometimes don't feel good or hold you or sends you or whatever it is it is what it is, right? But the heart cry, David's heart cry through the whole process was, show me your glory. How could David, in a time where anybody who touched the ark be immediately be put to death by the presence of God Himself, but how could David, in a time where the rules, where the written word actually condemned David, how could he actually lay under the shadow of the ark and cry out for God? He had access beyond what the written word, oh my goodness. He had access beyond what the written word allowed him. Wait, let me just see that. Let me just say that again. Maybe this part, maybe these guys over here aren't hearing me. He had access beyond what was written in the Bible. Oh my God! I'm not locked in the earth. Listen to me. They were given the Old Testament, they were given the law of Moses because they couldn't see that they were locked into the earth. They were invited to come up. But they chose what was written on stone. They were invited. Jesus Himself said, Hey, John, come up here, baby. John, come up. Are you kidding me? You're not bound to this earth. David 
had this heart that thirsted for this living God. He had a heart that said, I'm not even, these words on paper are for those who refuse to see your face. Oh my God, I'm preaching to myself. The words on paper are for those who refuse to see his face. Because the nature of heaven can't be found in what is written. You want me to prove that to you? The scribes and the Pharisees, they bring this woman caught in adultery in front of Jesus. And they said, Jesus, they were trying to catch him in his own written scriptures. Jesus, according to the law of Moses, this woman is worthy of death. She should be stoned to death. What do you say? And Jesus came from a nature that they didn't have. They, Jesus came from a mercy that they couldn't, it didn't compute because they worshiped what was on paper instead of worshiping the living God. They refused what was living and interpreted from their own heart that the woman should die. They didn't have mercy capability in them. It didn't exist. It didn't exist. They acted, it wasn't the Romans that put Jesus on the cross. It was the right, the self-righteous. The religious, right? It was, it was the ones who actually said, kill her. She is worthy of death. And Jesus took her by the hand. And she's, she's, she's literally before her, His eyes resurrected. He says, no longer are you bound to those words on stone. No longer, baby. No longer are you bound to those words on stone. You see, when I first started preaching this message about Jesus versus the Bible, I offended a lot of people. And I, I had to ask my wife, I had to pray. I have, <laughs> I have prayed for years for an ability to articulate the contrast between the living God versus the Bible. And I now know that the Lord could not release me to America before I could articulate His heart to mass numbers of people because I would probably kill and hurt people by simply punching them in the nose with truth. Okay? So maybe you're held up because... (laughs) Maybe you just might be held up in the hallway that you're in because you haven't sought out answers to the things that limit you from moving forward that only He can impart to you. Do you realize that Jesus, when He ascended into heaven, He sent one thing. He didn't send a Bible. He sent the the telescope. He sent the ability, the Spirit of truth, to actually reach into your heart and speak to you. Amen? And instead, what are you trained to do mostly in the northeast part of America? Did you read your Bible today? You come in for counseling. Did you read your Bible today? Listen, I love my Bible. And the Holy Spirit on almost a daily basis will take me to a certain scripture and teach me about that. But I thirst for the living God. Okay, I wasn't made to worship words on stone. I was worshiped. I was made to worship the living God who has power over all things who bypasses my own inability to 
improperly interpret what is written on stone, what is written on words. He's the wisdom that makes me smart when I prophesy. I mean, I actually do a better job prophesying than I do trying to articulate written words. You know why? Because I just get pictures and I speak what he says to me. People fall down, they get back up and say, I believe in Jesus, right? Wait, you don't think that's biblical? Wait, wait, let's check one thing out. I think I had that note in my notes here. Yeah, listen. Paul's explaining prophecy. He actually says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 1, he says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. You know why? Because one who prophesies the word of the Lord is, has a telescope. He is connected to heaven and he can actually step into the realm of heaven and say, hey, this is what the Lord is saying to you right now. I have a telescope. Instead, we have some churches that still have 28 doctrines that are central to what they believe in. And if you break one, including tithing, guess what? You're not part of our club anymore. I promised myself I wasn't going to say that again for at least a year, but in excited <laughs> times, it just comes out. You're not, you're, you're, am I okay with that? Listen, churches, when you come together on purpose, there has to be money in it, Right? But if you give out of a heart that's not purposed together, out of hearing the Lord and what you guys are called to do, it's all fake anyway. You're going through a ritual process. But if you are sowing in to this church, kicking the devil out of, of uh, the north, the south, and the east, or the west, and sending teams to do certain things, you are in purpose. You're sowing into purpose because you're trusting that the leaders and what this church is about is about what God said today you gather around and you sow into because you're connected to the cause. What did David say when he heard the giant speak? He said, is there not a cause? And something rose up in him. He couldn't actually stop it because the Holy Ghost actually drew him into a battle that was bigger than him. He didn't have the ability to take down that giant. But when he answered the call, when he stepped into the flow of the river and he said, I'm going to reach into that brook and pull out five stones, the Holy Spirit gave him the power over something that was impossible to conquer that's what you sow into what is your cause what is the cause right what what is your cause and so this whole prophecy thing you know a lot of people think that the holy spirit is like especially when you're doctrinally oriented you say okay jesus is the main focus and the Holy Spirit is this optional bolt-on. Like, you know, you go, drop, you go pick out a car and, you, and they say, with air conditioning or without. And, and it's almost like you go into church and you say, okay, you have Jesus with the Holy Spirit or without. It's kind of like a bolt-on option. And that is a freaking lie from the devil. That is one of the biggest lies there is. As long as you have Jesus, wait a minute. Jesus Christ died for my sin. He took my sin to the grave. He rose up. You know how He rose up? The Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost was sleeping that day, guess what happens? Jesus is under there going, Hey, I'm knocking on the door. Where are you at? Right? Jesus had to trust the Holy Spirit 
to raise him from the dead. He actually had to trust the Holy Spirit to open the door on that tomb, to take him out of one place and to take him into a new place. That is what the Holy Spirit is destined to do. Not that you would sit in the same pew putting the same stain on the same chair for the next 40 years doing the same thing you did when you got saved, quote-unquote saved, right? Come to the altar, you get saved, and everything's good. Once saved, always saved, right? That's what, that's, isn't that what it says? All you have to do is sit there and put a stain on that chair <laughs> and write a check. Amen? You see, Jesus had to trust the Holy Spirit to raise him up. And so Jesus has an epiphany. He says, you know what? When I ascend into heaven, I'm going to send you the very power that took me through life, that demonstrated my walk for three years and everything I did, he showed me what was going to happen the next day. One day I would be preaching at the woman at the well and she would go do the preaching and a city would come. And then the next day I would go feed to 5,000. The day after that, I would go find this demoniac chained to tombs. And that demoniac would be awakened to go minister and the whole region would come to me. When I come back around three months later, the demoniac who was chained to a tomb bound with a legion of demons now is free in the power of the Holy Ghost ministering to a whole region. And it says that when Jesus came back through, the whole region was changed. Because Jesus found one, drove out the power of darkness, clothed them in, it says that the, it says that the demoniac was clothed and in his right mind. When Jesus, guess what, guess what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit? It says when, when, in, in uh, Luke, uh, Luke uh, 20, 24, I think it's verse 40, 48, 49, Jesus says, stay here. Do not leave the city. I'm going to clothe you in the Holy Spirit. That's the word that's actually used. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to dress you. See, a lot of us don't know it, but we're running around naked through the city. We're not clothed in the Holy Spirit because we're too bound trying to figure out our answer and trying to measure up to what's written when we have this Holy Spirit who is like trying to put a blindfold on us and just say, trust me, man. Trust me. I will raise you up. I will stop you. I will send you. I will park you. I will connect you. I will disconnect you. I will send you over here. Amen? <laughs> so we try, we try to build our churches without prophecy, without a telescope, trying to get people to follow what the Bible says and wonder why they can't do it and why sin actually multiplies. Did you know that? The Bible, Paul, in the book of Romans, Paul actually explains that when you try to perform the law, sin actually multiplies. People were actually better off. Sinners were actually better off without the law. Do you ever wonder why when you go into churches, sometimes you find the meanest people on earth? Whoa! 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 I think I stepped on something a little touchy there. Do you know why? Because inside the walls of a place you call church, it's very easy to identify those filled with joy, 
and the peace of the Holy Spirit versus those trying to earn their way to salvation, following the books, following the rules in the books. You see, there's a freedom in Christ. And and there's a freedom in Christ. Listen to me, there's a freedom in Christ. There is such a freedom in Christ that when Paul is trying to explain the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about pursuing love, your relationship with the Father. That's really where the pursuit of love is. You love the Father. The Father imparts a nature to you to love the people around you. It's a, love is a, agape love doesn't exist in this realm. It only exists in heaven. And it has to be imparted by the Spirit to be able to love, to do something that's not worthy of being nice, being grateful, being loving, being kind. It doesn't exist on earth. So it's very easy to see those empowered by the Holy Spirit versus those trying to perform and earn. And when something hurts them or angers them and you know you know you know how it works right but here's the deal guys Paul actually Paul actually says the power of prophecy 1 Corinthians 14 verse 24 and 25 Paul is is saying he 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 makes he makes a case for praying in tongues which draws the father to speak and when the father speaks supernatural things happen And he says in uh, chapter 14, verse 24 and 25, he says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever, uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. You know what that means? That means that your job, I think I said this at the start, your job is not to teach them the Bible. Your job is to introduce them to the living voice. This is what the Lord is saying about you. I've never heard the Lord speak. Well, okay, let's try this out. I have this vision. You're bound in chains. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, he starts to weep and shake. He doesn't know why. You know why? Because true prophecy has a telescope connected to the realm of heaven. And when you hear what God says, you're not speaking your words. You're speaking out of the realm of heaven. And when people are sitting there vibrating and shaking because some force from out of this world actually came and invade them and breaks down their walls and no longer are they bound in condemnation and brokenness and shame and they're shaking. They, they, they're undone in the Holy Ghost. They say, what is that? That's the Holy Ghost. You introduce them to the Spirit of God. So when I have a choice, you see, when I go to India, they don't know anything about the Bible. I don't, I, don't, I don't teach them anything about the Bible. I stand there and say, all right, Lord, what are we doing tonight? And all of a sudden, He gives me a picture. And I start to minister out of the, out of the picture, out of the prophetic word He's given me. And I've seen crowds of hundreds. I've seen crowds of thousands within 15 minutes of interpreting a vision for the people because he told me to go introduce him, not teach, not try to teach them. And see, my challenge to you is, are you, if you search your own heart, your walk in the, in the spirit, walk with Jesus, are you still trying to own up or earn your way and learn enough to see yourself qualified? Or are you simply chasing down the one who lives? 
Because if you simplify your walk, which is really what he's called you to do, he's only, he's only after one question. Will you come up this mountain? The same question that was at Israel. Will you come up this mountain and see, and I want to show you my glory. Will you come and look at me face to face? I want to talk to you. I'm offering you a telescope. Amen? Everybody okay? <laughs> you see this amazing Holy Spirit. All power is in the Holy Ghost. Jesus didn't hold anything back from you. The deception is you trying to solve your own problem. John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of justice, of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Let's just start with judgment. Do you realize that the blood of Jesus washes you so clean that the Father sees you through a lens called the blood. He sees you through what Jesus accomplished, which is the conquering of sin, the fulfillment of the law. Jesus conquered all things and He holds all keys. He holds all power. So the Father actually is looking through at you through the blood of Jesus, through this lens that says, you're special, you're free, I have a plan for you. There's a purpose for your life. There's a destiny for you. And instead of this separation, this wall of separation, that Jesus actually broke down the wall of separation, the Holy Ghost is actually reaching and touching you. The Holy Ghost is reaching and touching. Right? You think this is all about you working hard enough and achieving hard enough? We're all fooled, man. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do the same thing Jesus did. Jesus invaded a dark world to do a supernatural thing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and He invades our life. He's actually all around us right now. He's speaking to us. He is right here right now speaking to us all. Trying to pull you forward into your destiny. He might be holding you back for a time until certain things get worked out, but He always has a plan to pull you into your destiny. Of righteousness, you know, the, 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 the realm of righteousness, you are righteous in Christ. Just like I just described, the blood of Jesus makes you righteous, but it doesn't stop at the blood. Right? It's the blood and the Spirit. If you stop at the cross, which many many end up being held up at the cross, and you never step into the realm of the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that resurrected Christ. It is the Holy Ghost that resurrects every son and daughter. And there's no way to get around full out dependence on the Holy Spirit. Right? In the aspect of sin, these are all works of the Holy Spirit. Did I say that? I'm trying to get a point across. These are works of the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin. That's actually not saying that you are condemned. That actually means He will convict you, meaning that He will reveal to you the work of Christ on the cross that accomplished sin. 
Many of our churches and many of our organizations focus on the behaviors of sin. And you can point to Galatians and the different descriptions that Paul uses. Talks about whoredoms and adultery and all those things. He's illustrating the behaviors that is actually identifying the root cause. You know what a root cause issue is? The root cause is what causes all the junk. The root cause of sin is not the behavior. The behavior is downstream. The root cause of sin is separation. And Jesus broke down the wall of separation and He sent His Holy Spirit and He came and He grabbed you by the hand. And He says, I'll not leave you go. And He's waiting for a heart to cry out to Him the way Jesus sent the one who says, I will not leave you go. I will even raise you up from the dead. My job is to raise you up from the dead. And he's, Jesus is waiting for a simple like heart to say, I'll not leave you go till you bless me. I'll not leave you go. I am chasing you down. And the Holy Ghost, I'm chasing you down. And you go, I'm chasing you down. Oh my gosh, I have this revelation. That was the, that was the life of David. That was the life of David. David, David, when, when David got into when David got into the kingdom, into Jerusalem, he, said, he sat back in his throne and he says, oh my gosh, I have this beautiful place and the father doesn't have one. And the father comes to him and says, well, first off, the prophet Nathan says, oh yeah, you should do it. Well, the prophet goes to bed and the Lord wakes him up and says, no, no, you tell David, I'm going to make him a house. So Nathan goes and tells tells him, I'm going to make you a house. While all of Jerusalem is down, the, down yonder, right? Worshiping and doing the rituals that can never save them. The Lord finds a man who chases him down as much as God chases David down. And all of a sudden, these hearts are together. And the Lord says, no, 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 you don't need to build me a house. You are a house. You are the house of God. I rest on your heart. And that is why you can bypass these written rules and lay under the shadow of my wings and actually touch my heart. You can touch my heart. You can touch my heart. I'm after you, David. You can touch my heart. You can touch my heart. Oh, my God, I can touch the heart of God. I can touch the heart of God. You know what? drives me to wake up every morning. You can ask my wife, I thirst. My alarm goes off at 5 a.m. I roll out. I run downstairs with my coffee. Yeah! I am not alone. I am not alone. Oh my goodness, I have the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The glory of God is upon me. I am not weak. He has made me strong. My God... I came to introduce you to my God. I don't know what you've been worshiping or if you feel distant and far away, but I'm here to tell you, I'm here to introduce you to my God. And my God doesn't wait up there for you to decide to come. He's come down here to touch you. He's come down here to touch you. He's come down here to touch you, to touch you, to touch you, to touch you. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. 
For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.